As consumers, we are bombarded by it at every turn, like the Incredible Hulk being bombarded by gamma rays. But what makes some media endure, while others are banished to the forgotten black hole of obscurity, never to be heard from again? Who or what decides this? Hetero life mate Steve and Yehel want to know, and they want to know now. This is Obscurity Now. now. What's up, Obscurians? Welcome to another episode of Obscurity Now, the show where we take a look at a weird and almost forgotten pieces of media, and we decide if they should be remembered for all of human history or tossed into the black hole of obscurity, or should I say, subspace, never, <laughs> never to be heard from again. Uh, my name is Steve, and with me is the king of subspace. It's... I'm the captain of subspace, so Steve. Uh, missed opportunity there, but uh, <laughs> it is I, Yahel. Uh, I'm a bit of a star trek fan how about you steve how are you doing i'm doing well i mean thank you for volunteering how much you love star trek i think pretty much everyone already knows that uh by now in fact i'm surprised you're not a uh, cosplaying as you i, I do. thought about it but it's a warm hot day here in florida so. right and then that means i would have to do it too and you that probably don't mean, have anything that fits me it doesn't mean you have to do it I mean, I've got my board costume in the, oh, in the okay. trunk. Well, we could have put you like, I don't know. In oh, board, in board. Mr. Monster looked like the Borg. How, how did we not make that? Because he doesn't look like the Borg. A little bit. Not at all. Oh, all right. Well, Mr. Monster from Japanese Professor Spider-Man. Monster. Him too. <laughs> <laughs> Is what you're thinking of. Please show some respect to the Japanese for once. So uh, make sure you check out uh, last week's episode all about Japanese Spider-Man to hear what we're uh, talking about. Yeah. Uh, but today... It was a holiday episode, and they're uh, a little bit different than what we normally do. Uh, what we do is we go to, uh, you know, TV shows, and basically we try to find, like, the holiday version of... Um, yeah, something that'll fit, like, the, the holiday theme in right. some way. Like, ha- we've done Halloween episodes, Christmas, uh, Thanksgiving. Uh, you can check out the... <laughs> Small Wonder Thanksgiving episode. Yeah. Uh, that one's a real hit. <laughs> uh, uh, very problematic. Uh, the, the, not us, the Small Wonder. Right, right. The Saved by the Bell one, that's a good one. Yeah. Um, for sure. Yeah. But, and, uh, and I like to use these special ones, because we, we'll, sometimes we'll cover stuff that's not obscure, like Saved by the Bell. I like to use this as an excuse to cover Star Trek. Yeah, and uh, I mean, and who else is going through and watching random holiday episodes of uh classic tv shows no one no, just no, us just here in obscurity now we've got the market cornered baby and just maybe like the, the Jap- japanese <laughs> <laughs> i was gonna like, say the japanese have the market cornered on being stern and strict families what were you gonna say i was gonna say just like the japanese oh okay so yeah this is, that's a callback to our last episode yeah yeah we're both um, big fans of uh boy it doesn't sound good saying we're big fans of japanese but it sounds like that's something someone that's not a fan or respectful. Oh, of you mean like people who overcompensate? Yeah, it's like, like I'm not a racist. I'm not a racist, yeah. but yeah. blah blah blah. Racist thing comes out next. Exactly. No, no. You and I have uh, often talked about wanting to uh, go to Japan. Um, mm. But yeah, uh, Star Trek, um, I believe, uh, is uh, something I always am like. Ooh, there's a holiday coming up. How can I pigeonhole a Star Trek episode in here? And pigeonhole you did. Yeah. Now, uh, previously you had stated that Deep Space Nine was the least popular of uh, these Star Trek shows. Like, so less popular than like Voyager or Enterprise. So here's the thing, right? So DS Nine came out uh, during season six of TNG in syndication, and its ratings were a lot lower than TNGs. And even when they add Worf in season four, like they never, they did get better, but they never rose to the same level as TNGs. It wasn't that craze. And because like UPN, as small as it was as a TV network, it was a TV network. So mm-hmm. actually it had a bigger audience for Voyager. That was like the flagship show of UPN than DS9 did being syndicated. Mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, Voyager is more popular, like in terms of like viewership than DS9. However, uh, since streaming came out, DS9 has become a lot more popular. Uh, and I don't know now. I, it wouldn't surprise me if now Deep Space Nine is streamed more, um, at least as a whole series, than Voyager. Because DS9, uh, beginning in around like 
season three, uh, maybe end of season two, it starts to become more serialized. And then season mm. four forward, it's pretty much like a modern show where like almost every episode ties into the overarching plot and, you know, there's like long story arcs for everybody. So it's a very bingeable show where Voyager and TNG, they're largely like one-offs. Right, right, episodes. right. But um, Voyager also has a lot of Borg episodes mm. and the most streamed Star Trek episodes of any series uh, combined, it's always the Borg episodes. The Borg episodes from TNG, the Borg episodes from Voyager, and there's, even though it's a prequel and it kind of makes no sense, there's an Enterprise Borg episode. What? But, but yeah, but Enterprise was less popular than both Voyager and Oh, yeah, DS9. that's the one that at the time killed the franchise. Yeah, they only got right? four seasons. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, all right, where does uh, Cisco rate um, for you among the captains? Man, uh, so I'm doing a DS9 rewatch right now, actually, on season four. So, you know, for me, I always go back and forth between DS9 and Voyage, uh, DS9 and TNG as my favorite anyway. Mm -hmm. So and usually it's like whichever one I'm watching. I, I probably would still give it to Picard just because TNG is my first love. But I will say Cisco, I feel like, is dealing with like, he's dealing with the dif different circumstances. He's the head of like the Starfleet side of a big war uh, where, you know, Picard wasn't doing that. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. But uh, he's up there. He's almost, almost he's neck and neck with, with Picard. So maybe a number two, almost like a one A or a one B or however, yeah. whatever the. I I would think that that he would be people's number two captain. It, it uh, would depend on the situation, I think, right? Like if I'm going into like <laughs> a more I don't know situation that involves like okay, this is gonna come to like fighting, I would probably pick Cisco over Picard. Well, if it's if it's a negotiation, like diplomacy is required. Not that Cisco, I mean Cisco's a great diplomat, but Picard's like the best diplomat uh -huh. as far as the captains go. So we should just stop talking about this because I will go on and fucking. Hey, on. that's what we're here, man. That's what podcasts are what for. What about you? I know you're not as big a Star Trek fan. You're more of a casual guy. Uh huh. Casual I mean, guy. I uh, I did enjoy a few episodes here and there of Deep Space Nine. I uh, do enjoy uh, Cisco as a captain. I would say. He's probably a strong number two for me as well. Now, um, you're a big Battlestar Galactica fan. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I find it strange you've never watched DS9 all the way through because Battlestar Galactica, the show, the main showrunner, or one of the two main showrunners, Ron Moore, right. he's a head writer from DS9. And a lot of the stuff in BSG is, I, I don't want to say ripped off from DS9, but it definitely is a big influence. Like the Cylons not knowing who is who is, is taken straight from the Changeling plots of um ds9 guys baltar is very similar to dr bashir on ds9 mm -hmm. so there's a lot of similarities uh right i remember you recommended that i w uh, watch it all the way through and i will someday the first two seasons i can i need to give you like a condensed viewing guide so you can get through the first two or three seasons <laughs> i'll just listen to some youtuber explain yeah. it all to me i don't do that <laughs> No, no, I'll watch it someday. I, I definitely... It's only 180 episodes. Oh, is that all? <laughs> all right, so we are watching... It's season four, episode two of Star Trek Deep Space yeah. Nine. And uh, Deep Space Nine, the series, ran from uh, January 3rd, to 1993, to January 2nd, 1999. Uh, the premiere date of this particular episode is October 9th, 1995. We've already pretty much discussed our uh, opinions, uh, so do wait, do you want to do the synopsis, or should I? I uh, oh, I, I can do the synopsis. Hold oh, on. yeah, sure. Oh, go for I it. Didn't, I, didn't, I wasn't prepared for this, but I mean, I could do it from memory, but I think we all know it's I mean, best. I've got it right here. I got it right here. Oh, 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 okay. Melanie, an aspiring writer, wants to know why Jake Sisko stopped writing at 40. It's actually at 37 that he stops writing. Uh, the IMDb synopsis is wrong. Jake <laughs> tells how his father died in an accident and then suddenly reappeared. All right, very good. And this is uh, directed by David Livingston, um, who was known for, aside from DS9, he's known for Star Trek The Next Generation, Voyager, one of our favorite shows, Baywatch Nights, and Sliders, which we have yet to cover, but is definitely on the list. Yes, absolutely. I, I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> and uh, this is written by one uh, Michael Taylor, 
and he has worked on the aforementioned uh, Battlestar Galactica remake, uh, Caprica, uh, Voyager, and The Dead Zone. Um, and uh, just to talk real quick about uh, the music here, because um, the you know the theme is pretty awesome. Like, what do you think of the the um, DS9 theme compared to the other ones? I mean. I think Star Trek Voyager objectively has the best uh, theme of mm. TNG, Voyager, and DS9. Of course, like, to me, the TNG theme is classic. That was my, you know, my first Star Trek love. Did you know that the Voyage, that the theme to Star Trek, uh, the next generation, is actually in the end credits theme from one of the original series movies? I did not know I, that. It's either, like, I want to say the first or second movie. It's, like, played through the credits. Hmm. And they just like kind of remixed it for um, the TNG show, but um, yeah, uh, I like the DS9 theme a lot. Though I'd put it like, I mean, they're all great. It, it's just like the DS9 theme, like the visuals. Like Voyager has the best music and visuals to me. Like it's very pretty. It's very varied. Mm-hmm. Where like on DS9, it's literally just a camera going around the station right. for like two and a half minutes, and then the right, wormhole right. opens. Um, and on, I know, I'm sure you haven't watched it, but there's an animated series right now called Lower Decks, Star mm-hmm. Trek Lower Decks. And it's canon, everything that happens in there. And in one of the episodes, they go to DS9. I think it might have been in season three. And when they get there, they just, the ship starts just going around the space station <laughs> and the music starts playing. And they're like, why, why are we flying around that? And, and like, I can't remember if it's the commander or the captain's like, shh, shh, shh. Just keep going around. Keep going around. And they just keep playing the theme for like two minutes. That's funny. Yeah. Well, uh, the music was composed by Dennis McCarthy, mm-hmm. who's worked on basically all the Star Trek franchises, except for the original one. Um, Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, Voyager Enterprise. Uh, he did uh, the 1994 feature film Star Trek Generations. And he's also done some other television shows like MacGyver. Sliders and Dawson's Creek, but I want the, the to... natural transition after Sliders and <laughs> uh, what was the other one? MacGyver uh, and Dynasty. Yeah. yeah. Um, but what I wanted to talk about was he apparently produced an album by uh, Brent Spiner, uh, which is called Old Yellow, Yellow Eyes, Eyes is has Back. The... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you heard this, <laughs> Steve? Of course, I've heard it. Well, what's it like? It's good. It's like he's like crooning, and on one of the songs, oh, I think it's just one, um, the other male cast members from TNG do backing vocals. So is he singing as Data? Um, God, it's been, I don't think so. Um, it's been a long time since I heard it. I, I believe it's just because Brent Spiner is a very good singer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and coincidentally, I, I don't know if LeVar can sing, but I know like Michael Dorn and uh, Patrick Stewart, uh, Worf and Captain Picard, they can sing. There's so, nothing that Michael Dorn can't do. I really... You can't stop him, even if you try. I, I believe you. <laughs> I believe you. Dude, you need to watch season three of Picard. It is so <laughs> fucking good. And Michael Dorn is basically a comedian. And Worf is basically... <laughs> he's he's both the most, like, bat, quote-unquote, like, warrior-esque badass they've ever made him. Mm. He's also the most docile they've ever made him. Hmm. And he's the most hilarious. Like, purposely... Like, he's making jokes on purpose now. Nice. Like, he's basically like a samurai, <laughs> and it is fucking awesome. Did you know that there's talk? I'm sure you didn't. Anytime I say to throughout this podcast, did you know? I know you don't know. Okay. That, All right. Blow my mind. Well, this is... <laughs> lower, lower your expectations. Okay. Uh, season three of Picard, is, there's talk that it's going to be uh, nominated for an Emmy oh, for Best Dramatic Series. Good for them. That's great. I don't think there's been a Star Trek series nominated for that since season seven of TNG. Back in 1994. <laughs> I mean, should I start crying or? What I cried many times watching Picard. <laughs> <laughs> it really is good though. I think you'd like it. It's very, it's it's really fun. I'll but, put it uh, on the list right after like six really seasons obscure. of DS9. All right. All right. Well, there's only ten episodes of season three of Picard. They do give away the ending of DS9. All right, should we get into the cast, I guess? Please. All right, I'm not going to go over everybody because everybody's kind of important and it's a big ensemble cast. I'll mention the people that are probably like most important to this episode. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you have Avery Brooks, who plays Captain Sisko. Um, 
Also important to this episode because they put him in aged makeup is Alexander Siddig. Uh, sometimes credited, I think, in this season of DS9 as Siddig El Fadil, or maybe it was El Fasil. Uh, but, anyways, he plays Dr. Julian Bashir. Uh, then you have um, Terry Farrell, who plays Lieutenant Jadzia Dax. We've got Tony Todd, the Candyman himself, as older adult Jake Sisko. Tony Todd uh, has played a lot of characters in Star Trek. He plays Worf's brother in TNG and Deep Space Nine, because they bring him back for that. He also plays Herojin in Voyager, and he's got a couple other Star Trek appearances in games, and I think even other characters I'm not thinking of. We've got Iron Eisenberg as Nog, the uh, young Ferengi friend of uh, Jake Sisko. Uh, rest in peace. He was a really nice guy. He died a few years ago. Aww. He actually randomly started following me one time on Instagram, and he interacted regularly in my comments. Oh, wow. And, uh, yeah, we'd see him do that with lots of other Star Trek fans' comments, uh, posts. So, you know, really involved, nice guy. Uh, Jake Sisko is played by Sirach Lofton. This was, I remember, the first episode. I, I don't know if I told you. I didn't watch DS9 when it was on the air. Uh, I think you mentioned that before. Because I was yeah. like, this is not my Star Trek. <laughs> so I would catch a couple. You were all like, make Star Trek great again. I'm like, I, what What are you talking about? Funny you say that, Steve. Gold Dukat, which is basically like Hitler. in No, he's basically space Hitler. Uh, he's a Cardassian, and the Cardassians are basically Nazis, and the Bajorans are an allegory for the Jewish. The Jews on the occupation by the Cardassians. It's an allegory for the Holocaust. Long story short. Gold Dukat at one point, um, he's making this big speech to Cardassia. And you know what he says? Make Cardassia great again. Yep. <laughs> he literally says that. Isn't that crazy? And he's like this fascist leader who's very Trump-like uh, in some of his ideas. So uh, very interesting you say that. But um, mm, Interesting indeed. He's a, he, unfortunately, Gold Dukat is not in this episode. Um, Melanie is played by Rachel Robinson, who is the daughter of um andrew robinson from hellraiser nice he's nice. also garrick on deep space nine uh he's not a regular cast member but he might as well be he's like in 100 of the episodes or 80 of them something like that he's a major part of it especially the last uh half of the series and i think that is pretty much the major cast this is mostly about a story about jake uh cisco and his father but I do remember that this was like the episode that, because I watched it as an adult, which is what I was getting at. Because uh, when it was on the air, I watched like the episode where like Riker guest stars. You know, if there was a TNG person showing up, I would watch it. But otherwise, I didn't really watch it. Right. Later as, a, as an adult, I watched like in 2014 and I was my mind was fucking blown. Because it's like a modern show and like minor characters that maybe have a line in season one end up being super important by the end of the series. Right. I remember, yeah, that happened. I mean, I experienced that through Battlestar Galactica for the first time. It's very much like that. crazy, yeah. Yeah, like, you know how you have, like, in Battlestar Galactica, like, what do they call them? Are they called the groundlings? Like, the crew that work on the ships? Yeah, those guys. Something like that. Like, there's some of them that, like, the first season or two, like, they don't really have a lot to do. They just have a line or two every once in a while. And then by the end, like... They're part they're of a big blown out of airlocks. Yeah, yeah. But, but they're a big character, <laughs> right? Right. Uh, so it's like that. Like Nog becomes like a huge character, even though when you first meet him, he's just like Jake's like little fucking annoying Ferengi friend, and right. I don't know. And the, but anyways, when I was watching it as an adult, I thought, oh, the kids are like pretty well written, like on the mm-hmm. show, like they're not annoying. And then this episode, I was like, wow, the guy playing Jake, who at this point is like sixteen or seventeen, he. He can fucking act. Yeah, yeah. I mean, every everyone is great in this. Spoiler alert. For yeah. the most part. I, I, I knew you would like it. It's hard to hate this episode. I mean, I am for anything that Tony Todd is involved with. Like, he's a great actor. And, you, and he gets to show, like, range here that he doesn't always he get to show. took the words right out of my mouth. Yeah, I mean, he uh, everyone knows him as Candyman. And, yeah, he does a lot of, like b-horror and stuff because i'm sure that's what pays the bills but yeah this was a great showcase of his actual uh, skills um yeah and uh you know he it's funny to me like how or interesting how like part of the reason why he's always doing horrors because he's got that voice right that mm-hmm. gravelly voice and, i am because of candy man and because of candy yeah. man. but why that's part of the reason why he got cast for sure. he's got that voice sure sure but in here his voice i would say is even he makes it when he's the oldest version of jake sisko like the most gravelly, most like almost 
I don't know, evil sounding, but he does it in a way where he's got like this like warm, right? Well, I don't like an empathy or yeah. something along those lines. Like, yeah, like a grand. He's just a, he makes himself into a grandpa because he's a good actor. And that's yeah, what like he did. I, I just love that it really gives him a chance to like, you know, have have a meaty part with lots of different faces. Yeah, because of you, like I'm discovering that you know a lot of like horror people got showcased on. Um, on Star Trek. Oh, like, Jeffrey Combs is like was, in a ton of episodes of again, DS9. Man, we are in sync today. That's what I was going to say. Jeffrey Combs. You never see him in anything else besides like, you know, Reanimator, like B grade horror films, and then Star Trek yeah. for the most part. He plays Wei Yoon on Deep Space Nine later on. He's like in a ton of episodes starting from like season five, I think, forward. Um, he actually plays two characters, uh, no, three characters on DS9. And one of them is a reoccurring Ferengi. And in one episode, he plays both his Ferengi character and his other Wayun alien character. Nice. Yeah. And I feel like a third. I think he plays three people in that episode. So <laughs> it's awesome. pretty fun. And he's on Enterprise 2, a shrine. But all right. We should probably get into the, uh, the episode Let's itself because it. I, and I will try to condense this as much as possible. We open up in a house. Uh, it's on Earth. I was uh, so surprised when it happened. I was just expecting to be, you know, on the Deep Space Nine. And here we are hanging out in a regular house. Yeah, it's a stormy night. It's raining. Mm -hmm. It looks like a cozy little house. We see uh, an old man kind of uh, injecting something into his neck. Um, we don't know what it is. And then there's a knock at the door. Uh, this older man answers. And there's a young woman there named, we later find out her name is Melanie. Uh, she's looking for refuge from the downpouring rain. Um, and, uh, he, you know, lets her in. And, uh, after a few minutes, she reveals that she's a budding writer and that she's mm -hmm. looking for Jake Sisko. The older man confirms that he is indeed Jake Sisko. And, um, she basically asks why he stopped writing at the age of 37, that she read like his two books, which is basically Anselm and then some collected stories. Mm -hmm. uh, Jake Sisko takes a moment and responds that he stopped writing because of something that happened to him when he was 18 years old. He says it's like the worst thing that could ever happen to a young child. His father died. What a yeah. cold open. <laughs> yeah, right. I was like, I, I knew, uh, well, I, I guess I wasn't really thinking about anything too much until you know, they actually show it happening. <laughs> and then I, and then I sort of like figured out how this was going to go, uh, basically. Um, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know, I, I mean, if you know anything about deep space nine, even have like the most, you know, little amount of knowledge, you know, like Cisco isn't dying here in season four when it has seven seasons, you know? Right. But it's all about, it, it's not, even so much about like to me this story about like the a to z of like okay well how is what what's going to happen to keep cisco from actually being dead by the end it's really about the story of the father and the son mm -hmm. and how they care for each other which is why i picked this for a uh, father's day yeah yeah i mean great choice yeah all right so we get into act one after the credits uh jake cisco uh talks about how he was close uh really close to his dad after they uh both lost uh well, they lost Jake's mother, Cisco's, uh, uh, Benjamin Cisco's wife. That's who she was. That would have been weird if it was both their moms. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, so they were on the Defiant, which is like a ship that uh, Deep Space Nine eventually gets. It's like a warship. And uh, the wormhole, the Bajoran wormhole that DS9 kind of, a lot of it kind of revolves around, uh, but, and they protect it, is going through this thing called like a subspace inversion. It's a special thing that happens every 50 years. And uh, Benjamin Sisko tells Jake, like, hey, uh, I know you're working on this book. You're writing it. You're in this. He's basically like in quarters. He's like, you need to, like, poke your head up from your writing. Life is happening around you. This event only happens, like, once every 50 years. You'll regret it if you don't see it. And he's like, hey, if you, like, come and see this, then afterwards I'll read what you wrote and give you some feedback on it, which is a callback to an episode from the previous season where like Jake first tells his dad about his writing, lets him read some of it. And his dad's like very surprised and impressed mm. and gives him some good notes. And, Cisco, right. and Jake really appreciates it. 
So, um, anyways, Jake agrees, um, but as they're leaving the room, the Defiant is rocked by something. We don't know yet what's going on, but, like, you know, they stammer. They, like, hit the wall. Cisco's like, hey, Jake, you stay here. I'm going to go. Uh, Cisco gets, like, a call, I think, on the intercom, and it's like, hey, you need to get down to engineering. So, Jake, uh, Captain Cisco tells Jake to stay in the room. We get a voiceover from Tony Todd where he says, normally I would have stayed in the room. I would have done exactly what my dad says. I know better than not to, but something told me to follow him this time. Mm-hmm. So Jake ends up following his dad into the engineering room. Uh, Captain Cisco sees that Jake is there. And rather than going to the, I like, I like how they don't do the whole, what are you doing here? You know, like is Jay is the Captain Cisco's like, fuck it. You're here. Help me out. Yeah. Yeah. He, he does have a look like, Oh, you, why, why'd you follow me? Kind of right, look. Right. Um, and he's like, Jake, I need a, whatever futuristic tool. Go look for it <laughs> yeah. over here. Cause there's like people, there's like engineers that are like, have been knocked out or maybe killed or on the floor. Mm-hmm. Jake finally finds a tool. His dad puts it into this like other piece of equipment and turns it. And they stop the warp core overload that's about to happen. And Jake goes over, uh, Captain Cisco goes over to Jake, and then there's suddenly a big energy discharge from the warp core. It kind of hits both of them, but mostly Cisco, Captain Cisco. All this white light comes around him. He like waves around in the air, is the best way I can describe it. And then he like disappears. He's, it looks like he's been vaporized, basically. Yeah, man, I was uh, really taken aback by it. I was like, vaporized already yeah and and like jake watches it all go down in front of him yeah yeah um so then there's a memorial service uh for captain cisco uh held on the promenade and one thing i really like about the shot is they got a shit ton of extras like the promenade is a huge set it's Mm -hmm. got two stories for those that haven't seen it i mean it's it's way bigger than any set on um tng by far uh i and it looks like there's maybe like at least 100 legit people there Something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jake talks about how um, Jake felt like a lot of people said lots of things about Cisco. A lot of people came out because his dad was considered a religious figure for the Bajoran people, but Jake couldn't bring himself to say anything. He talks about how everyone did their best on the crew of DS9 to console him. This is Jake talking about this. We're like, Quark, who is notorious for being, he's like a Ferengi, he's Nog's uncle. He owns the bar in DS9. He's notorious for like being cheap, like all Ferengi wanting to make the most money. And he allows Nog time off from the bar to go spend time with Jake because even Quark, who is kind of like a thief with a heart of gold character anyway, but mm. he feels so bad about what's happened to Jake. Uh, Jake and Nog talk a little bit. Nog's like, hey, I'm about to leave for Starfleet Academy. We don't have a lot of time to hang out. Uh, what are you going to do, Jake? Jake's like, well, I don't know if I'm going to go to the Earth, to the writing school, Pennington, or if I'm going to stay here. Uh, but I think I'm going to stay here for now. Jake goes to bed, and as he's laying there, there's suddenly a flash of light. Jake turns around, and he sees his dad is, like, sitting on the floor up against the couch. He says something like, Jake, what's going on? Something like that. And then just as quickly as he appears, he disappears again. So we know, like, Jake's dad, Captain Cisco, is not exactly dead. Mm-hmm. Even though uh, older Jake Cisco very dramatically said he was dead. Right. <laughs> <It's a> little... <laughs> yeah, he's, uh, it's almost like he's putting on a show for Melanie. Yeah, I mean, he is a writer, right? So right. I guess he's telling a story, right? Right. Because one thing that Jake, older Jake Cisco, does tell Melanie is, like, I've never told anybody this story, and I might as well tell it tonight. He, he makes a He says something to Melanie, like, Normally, if you had come here any other night, I would have just, you know, taken you in and then sent you on your way. But because you're here on this night of all nights, I need to tell you this story. Right, right. So, which is really cool because it sets up some foreshadowing to stuff that's to come later. So, Jake explains to Dax uh, what happened. She's like the science officer. She scanned for anomalies, but nothing got turned up. We hear that in a voiceover. Um, at this point, the Klingons were like getting angry, uh, uh, about the Bajorans and they had entered and the Bajorans entered into a defense agreement with the Cardassians. So this is like if the Jews like five, not even like four years, two years after world war two, if they're like, Oh, we got to make a peace agreement with the Nazis, with the Germans, Mm -hmm. because this other stuff is so dangerous. Um, 
So anyways, it seems like war might be breaking out with the Klingons and the Bajorans and Cardassians and Deep Space Nine would be the battle line. So a lot of people have evacuated the station. Nog is gone. He's gone to Starfleet Academy. And Jake is still at um, uh, DS9. This is about a year after his dad, uh, quote unquote, died. Kira and Worf try to get Jake to convince him to leave. Um, he declines. We get this really cool scene where Kira and Jake are talking. I really like the lighting here. Yeah, it was good. And Kira is like, and this is where you get to like see like Jake has some acting chops, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kira and Jake have this heartfelt discussion. Jake tells her like he can't leave because his dad made this a home. Uh, at the beginning of DS9, like Jake doesn't want to be there. His dad doesn't want to be there. Uh, his dad wants to leave Starfleet. Did you know that? I did not. Know He's that. mad because Captain Picard killed his wife when he was Locutus. Wow. I and in the first episode, that's messed up of DS9. Mm. Guess who comes to uh, give uh, Captain or Commander Benjamin Sisko, I should say, some orders? Uh, Picard. Picard. <laughs> and ooh, they have a very tense conversation on the Enterprise. And Picard is like, oh, I don't think, you know, he's like, hey, how are you doing, Commander Sisko? And he's like, oh, we've already met. He's like, we have? And Sisko's like, yeah, on the battlefield. He's like, when? He goes, Wolf 359, which is when Picard was a Borg and killed a ton of people from Starfleet and the Federation. <laughs> and he goes, uh, yeah, you killed my wife. I, I, maybe he doesn't say you killed my wife, but he says he met him there. And Picard is like, oh, I see. <laughs> and then it's like a very tense, yeah, cold conversation. I just imagine them like just staring at each other in the eye and shaking hands like this. But it's great, dude. The opening of DS9 is the Battle of Wolf 359, and you see like how his wife died, and he had to be dragged away from pulling her out of a fire. Like it's crazy. Uh, yeah, it's good stuff. You'd like it. I'm gonna check it out someday. I promise. <laughs> Anyways, point is, Kira says, "All right, Jake, you can stay until I tell you you have to leave because the situation is so dangerous." Right. He- I like uh, Jake says he doesn't want to leave because without yes. DS9, he'll have nothing. He's basically saying, it's "My dad made this a home." So sad. Yeah. But, I mean, it's just it's good though. Yeah. <laughs> he says like he made this home. My dad made this a home, and if I leave, this is the last DS9 is all I have left of him. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, it's very sad, and the delivery from both of the actors is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And the lighting is just mm, so good. Yep. Uh, a few months later, uh, Jake again finds his dad in a corridor on DS9. But this time, Jake goes up to him, he's able to touch him, and you hear a voiceover that, like, now he knows it's not an illusion, that before right. he wasn't sure, but this time he physically touched him. Um, the Captain Commander Sisko gets taken to the infirmary, uh, so there we have like Dax, Bashir, O'Brien, you know, the three smartest ones, the engineers and scientists and doctor. Um, they figure out that Benjamin Sisko, the dad, is stuck in a temporal inversion. He's falling in and out of sync with normal time. He's disappearing into subspace. And for Sisko, Commander Sisko, the passage of time doesn't happen unless he's in our reality, un- unless he's out of subspace. Right. So he's not aging. To him, a few minutes ago, he was like on the defiant, basically. Um, so everyone tries to save him. Like O'Brien's like, oh, maybe if we do a containment field, we can hold him here because Bashir figures out like, oh shit, in a few minutes, this is going to happen again from the right. readings he took. We got to figure out a way to keep him here. So in the meantime, like Cisco is on a, on a like bed in the infirmary in the sick bay talking to Jake and Cisco begs his son to reassure him that he's going to be all right and to move on with his life. But Jake, and this part always makes you cry. Uh, when Jake uh, Benjamin asks Jake how he's doing, and he can't answer, he just starts crying. Yeah. Ah, uh, so good. Anyways, Cisco mm-hmm. uh, again ends up vanishing. Uh, Jake yells no, and he like runs after the uh, the bed, and he's just like so heartbroken. Yeah. Ah, oh, man, what do you think about it up to this point? I mean, I because uh, you've never seen this episode. No, right? I I didn't know what to expect at all. I mean. Of course, seeing that Tony Todd in it, I mean, that definitely, you know, raised my interest. And yeah, I mean, just this is almost like in a way it could almost be like a stage play or something. Mm -hmm. Um, Just you could do this with a few people. Right. Yeah. Just the way, um, you know, all the interplay and the the emotion of it all. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's, it's so well written and sad. 
We probably shouldn't be talking about it on this show, but whatever. <laughs> Here we are. <laughs> I was like, I was like, oh, Steve's a father. This will get him. <laughs> it, and it did. I it did. It. I mean, it gets me, and I don't even like kids. As you know, Steve, I have a vasectomy. Well, you know, you were a kid at one point. <laughs> right. And you had a dad. So it right. works either way, you know? I suppose, Steve. Yeah. But uh, this is actually the reason why I got a vasectomy. I was like, I can't ever be this sad about my child. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you never know when Professor Monster is going to yeah. use them against you. <laughs> so anyways, Jake tells Melanie that uh, he couldn't bear losing his father. That it was harder to lose him a second time because now it's even worse knowing that his dad is alive, but he's like stuck or unstuck in time and right. unable to reach him. Melanie's like, I can come back later, but Jake tells her, you can't because I'm dying. This is the last mm -hmm. time I can tell you that. Then it's weird because they go to commercial, or they would have gone to commercial, right. and then they come back and Jake's like, kind of shrugs off that he's dying. He tells Melanie, well, that's just something old people say to... Uh, right. It's like, oh, of course we're dying. We're all that's just, dying. That's just something we say to like, you know, keep the attention of young people. He tries to pass it off as a joke, but it's, I think it's more that like Jake sees how like concerned Melanie is and he's trying to like reassure her. Right. Is, is what I get from it. Right, right. Um, so she assures him that he doesn't need anything and he's fine. Um, they talk a little bit about how Melanie wants to be a writer and uh, how, you know, she didn't find a writer she really connected with and really wanted to learn from until she read his writings and how disappointed she was that. But I also like, you know, in sort of the, uh, I mean, I'm not saying she is this, but like, you know, when a lot of people say they want to do stuff, especially like writing, she's like, oh, well, I'm, I'm doing a lot of reading. You know, I haven't right, actually right, right. written something yet, but I, I'm getting there. Uh, but I, I mean, at least they didn't go with, uh, you know, oh, I'm going to write something. I just uh, don't have the time. Like, yeah, that's yeah, what yeah, most, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, most people who... I've never written anything. That's their excuse for not writing is that they just don't have the time. Uh, but uh, anyway. Um, yeah, totally agree. Um, anyway, so we get... Um, somebody... Young, virile, Tony Todd. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I have written down here. Wow. So Melanie asks what happens next, and that's when we see... Um, Oh, no, wait. We get a little bit of a voiceover. Or actually, I think he tells her in person, oldest, oldest Cisco... Mm -hmm. Tells her, Jake Sisko tells her that Dax and Chief O'Brien spent the, new, the next few months trying to find a way to get Ben back. Uh, but they hit a dead end as they couldn't recreate the accident because the wormhole wasn't going to go with this inversion process. They figured out that that had something to do with it, the right. wormhole inversion. And it wasn't going to do it for another close to 50 years. Uh, eventually, the situation with the Klingons escalated. Starfleet turns over Deep Space Nine to the Klingons. Um, so Jake has no choice but to leave DS9. We get a cool shot of young Jake Sisko in a shuttle. And in the window, you see like DS9 is there getting smaller as the shuttle uh, mm. leaves. Um, and they did a really good job of comping this because you still see Jake's reflection in the, uh, in, in the window. So, I mean, this is 19, this is fourth season, so like 1996, maybe. So pretty, pretty, pretty good, good for the 90s. Yeah, yeah. Pretty, pretty good effects, I, I got to say. Jake moves back to Earth. He does end up going to the Pennington School, which he got an offer to write for the Pennington School at season three. Oh. So before this. So this is like already there's like ongoing threads from like previous episodes. Nice, nice. Um, he ends up moving to Louisiana where like the Cisco's are from. Like they're, Jake's grandfather has a restaurant there. Yada, yada. Anyways, he ends up marrying a Bajoran woman named Karina. Um, and all was well. Everything was going on great. And this is when we get the flashback to virile, young, mid-30s, uh, Tony, Tony Todd. Todd. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and Nog shows up. And like now Nog, because this is into the future, like, I don't know, like almost 20 years, uh, he's now a Starfleet commander. Mm -hmm. Nog is the first uh, Ferengi to ever join Starfleet, by the way. So this is a spoiler for the series, uh, for you. <laughs> but Jake, like little Nog, has this impassioned speech to like Commander Cisco because he needs a letter of recommendation to even get into Starfleet because mm -hmm. uh, he's not a Federation citizen. And it's it's a scene where you find out the guy playing Nog, the kid playing Nog, also is a great actor. Yeah. Uh, so the Klingons um, uh, are beginning to let Starfleet ships go back to the wormhole because it's been like 20-something years, almost 20 years, since Jake had to leave DS9 and 
relations are a little bit better again with the Klingons now. Um, so they're letting Starfleet go back to the wormhole to see how the Dominion, which I'm not going to get into that. It's a big baddie of uh, <laughs> DS9, and they're on the other side of the wormhole. Um, so uh, Nog is there, though, with Jake and his wife to celebrate uh, Jake winning this award for his collected stories. Jake seems happy and settled. and Everything's going great. Uh, one night, Jake does a different day. Jake is up late working on his latest novel, and uh, he's talking to Karina, his wife. He's like, hey, you should design the cover. And suddenly there's a flash of light. Jake already knows what it is. and But he's very surprised by it. Jake goes over to the next room. And who does he see there? Benjamin, his dad, lying on the couch. So uh, Karina called Starfleet Science. They said they're going to be there like as soon as possible. And all Commander Cisco wants to know is how his son is doing. Right. He's happy to hear that Jake got married, that he published two books. He's so proud of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but of course, Jake, similar to when he saw his dad on the bed, kind of breaks down. Uh, he get, He's upset at everything that his dad had missed out on. He's mostly upset at himself because he feels he gave up on his dad. Yeah. But uh, at this point, like Jake had no reason to think like he would ever see his dad again because at one point in the earlier scene, I should have mentioned Jake asked Nog if the Klingons ever told Starfleet that they saw Cisco. Uh, and no, it was never reported. So, right. Cause everybody assumed it had something to do with being around the wormhole. Like he has mm-hmm. to be at the wormhole and apparently not it has nothing. It does. It's not tied to the wormhole, at least at this point. Mm-hmm. So Ben Cisco tells Jake that all that matters is that, um, Oh, I'm sorry. I got a little lost in my notes here. So yeah, Ben is telling him how, uh, no one would expect him to expect Jake to wait so long and that he's proud of him and all he's accomplished. Um, he just wants to know um, if he's a grandfather or yeah, not. If he's got any grandchildren. Yeah. yeah. Just being the typical su- supportive dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and like Jake and Benjamin Sisko is genuinely happy to be there. And it kind of makes sense, right? Because like Ben Sisko, no time has gone by for him. So right. he hasn't had like two decades of longing to see his son, you know? Yeah. This is all a surprise to him. And. So it's really not that painful for Commander Cisco, the dad, right. other than seeing the pain that his son goes through. Sure, sure. Uh, so, um, you know, Ben tells Jake that even though uh, he's not there, he, he, it's pretty funny. Like He's like, hey, just because I'm not around a lot doesn't mean I don't want grandchildren. Uh, and uh, suddenly, Commander Cisco disappears again, and Jake is distraught. But now that Jake knows that you know, his dad is still connected, can still come back and somehow he stops writing and he begins studying subspace mechanics at the age of 37. This is when he says, in an attempt to get his dad back, initially his wife Karina supported him, but eventually he was so obsessed with getting his wife back that his wife, getting his dad back that his wife leaves him. him. Yeah, yeah. Fuck, this is so sad. <laughs> it is, it is. Um, but even, but at this point though, I, I knew I was like, I was like, so this is like uh, Quantum Leap meets Star Trek. Um, no, a, little a little bit, bit a little bit. And, but, and somehow, but it's also kind of a one-off, and they're going to find a way to reset everything by the end. Yeah, this is one of the very... But it doesn't make it any less sad. <laughs> no, this is one of the very few uh, one-off episodes at this point of DS9, because even like episodes from like, even the season prior, even though like, it's not super serialized yet. Mm-hmm. Almost every episode has a little something, whether it be about the Dominion or a character that's going to carry into another episode and be important. Right. The one thing that I will say kind of carries over after this episode is the way uh, Commander Cisco looks at Jake. Uh, and we'll get to that at the end. But um, so, yeah. Uh, so Jake, uh, you know, keeps going. He doesn't let his wife leaving him stop him. And he realizes that he can... He thinks he can get his dad back by real by recreating the accident. At this point in time, we jump forward a little bit more, and now just about 50 years have passed. And uh, Jake hoped that because the wormhole was about to go another inversion, that he could use that to recreate the accident and f- get his dad back in sync with the, our regular universe. Mm-hmm. At this point, Nog is a captain. Um, they've got the Define out of retirement and some of the crew, Dax and Bashir. What did you think about the aging makeup on everybody from Tony Todd here to uh, Bashir, Dax, and uh, Nog? 
I thought the old person makeup was pretty good. Um, what I really appreciated was the fact that those crew members, they kept arguing with each other like the way old people would. You know what I'm talking about? Dax and Bashir? Yeah, 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 them. Yeah, like uh, they're not married or anything like that, but they, they almost come off like an old married couple as like lifelong friends often end up. Yes, it. yes. And uh, and yeah, the all, the makeup effects were were great. Yeah. I mean, there's a I mean, that's the best you could possibly make it at that time. I think Bashir did a great job of changing his voice, affecting his voice to make it sound older. Mm-hmm. Dax does too to an extent, and Nog, I don't know if you noticed, but he makes his voice, well, you probably didn't notice because um he's not like you don't see him like as a teenager like as the 17 year old very long in this episode but his voice he changes it to be different when he's a little bit older and the commander with Mm. young viral tony todd and then now he makes his voice sound even a little older yeah i noticed a little difference yeah he makes it sound just a little bit and tony todd also like changes his voice uh with each age just a little bit nuanced acting all around yeah 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 and another little tidbit i like the uniforms that now dax and bashir and uh nog are wearing they are the uniforms used in the final episode of star trek the next generation where they go into the future and one of the there's like three timelines and one of them is in the future oh so they're wearing the uniforms from the future from that future and the com badges are different and they're the same com badges used there that's awesome and these are the com badges used in star trek picard now (laughs) Because it's canonically, it's that further along. So, I appreciate the attention to detail. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I do too. What's really this is the last bit about the makeup and stuff. I, I agree, the makeup looks great. Uh, Terry Farrell now, she's not quite as old as she her character is here, Dax, mm-hmm. but she looks so good. She looks so much better than this old makeup made her. <laughs> Honestly, she looks almost the same as she did in DS9, as does Kira. The only difference is they have gray in their hair, basically. Nice. Like, these women held up, like, amazingly. <laughs> You're like, I would still make sweet love uh, Honestly, the entire cast of Deep Space Nine looks almost the same. It's fucking crazy. <laughs> um, except for Aaron Eisenberg that played Nog and the guy that played Odo because, well, they're dead. Ah. Uh. <laughs> Oh, that puts a little damper on that youth yeah. glow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, anyways, so uh, we're... Jake, stop writing. Is he going to find out what it sounds it was? Okay. So um, we get everybody back on, on this crew. Um, they're trying to recreate the accident. They have, like, some banter or whatever. Um, they recreate the incident. They're starting to bring in Jake's dad. You can see them both on the, the engine room where the accident first happened. They're both there. Suddenly, there's a flashlight, and both Jake Sisko and Ben Sisko, his dad, disappear. I can probably stop saying Ben Sisko, his dad, at this point. <laughs> Thanks uh, for being thorough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, they're in this white void, which is very similar to the white void that uh, Captain Sisko is in when he's talking to the prophets, which you'll find out about that. When and the see. Matrix. Yeah. Just thought I'd throw that in there. So, you know, uh, the dad, Ben Sisko, he's eager to find out how Jake is doing. And he's kind of horrified uh, to find out that he lost his wife and abandoned his writing career. Oh, yeah. This was the only time you saw him, like, kind of disappointed. Yeah. Like, yeah. And it's, like, disappointment. And he feels bad because he feels kind of guilty, too. Right. Uh, that he's doing it for him. So Ben uh, Cisco tells, tells Jake to get back to writing and to live his life. He says, you know, if not for you, do it for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and that he shouldn't abandon his future. And then there's a big flash. We got we cut back to the Defiant, and there's Jake, no no father, and he wasn't able to pull him back. Mm. So now we're back. Uh, this is the last act. Oh, I guess I should stop. What do you? Any thoughts about that so far? Oh, I mean, it was uh, devastating, yeah. emotionally <laughs> devastating. Like, and I was gonna ask. Uh, I mean, and maybe we should save it to the end, but like. Do you think this is kind of like an allegory for, I mean, cause it's weird. It's almost like the wayward dad who maybe works too much that, and the son doesn't get to see him or is it maybe, you know, you're sort of cats in the cradle thing. No, because one of the things about DS nine and it's from the beginning, Benjamin Sisko is a very involved father. Right. I mean, I'm not saying that he, you know, that the characters, 
that, you know, Benjamin Sisko is not a good dad or anything. I'm just saying this episode in particular isn't like a metaphor or an allegory for, it's sort of just, or a microcosm for what like a kid who only sees his dad occasionally would go through. Do you get what I'm saying? I don't know, because part of the reason why Jake Sisko feels so strongly, I mean, he changes his whole life, right? To try and get right, his dad back. to get back. his dad back. I mean, and, and, he would, and he does that because he already has this strong relationship and bond with his dad. If he didn't right. see him that often, would he? Yeah, I mean, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but eh, maybe there's aspects of it or not. I, I, I mean, yeah, I, I'm, I don't think that was the intent. I don't think like that's a wrong interpretation per se, because, you know, one, one thing that Star Trek tends to try to do especially 90s and early 2000s trek is yeah they tell you a story but they also want to leave a little bit up to you for you to be able to apply it to your own life and your sure. own situation so sure yeah so yeah i mean they're telling you to you know cherish the you know the moments that you have and stuff like that yeah which is kind of like what you see at the end like uh right uh and it may be part of it because this is like really right when the dominion war is really starting to heat up and it could be something that you can say, like, as a reminder for Cisco, the, the dad, to, like, hey, you know, be mindful of what you have and, like, appreciate it. And Right. And also for kids to get your nose out of the books and hang out with your dad. Yeah. There's a lot of, like, little lessons. Sure. Not, like, any good Star Trek episode, there's a lot of, there's several little lessons you Absolutely. could get out of there. So we're back now at the uh, old Jake Cisco house. Uh, Melanie asked why he didn't go back to writing after all this. And uh, Jake Sisko reveals that he did go back to writing. He wanted to honor his dad's wishes. He's got a new collected works. He um, points to where it's at on the desk. Melanie's looking at it. He says, hey, I'll give you a copy. And she says, well, can I have this? And he's like, well, it's got all these handwritten notes on it. She says, well, I want to, uh, that's why I want it. I want to see like the things you change and why. And he's like, oh, because you want to be a writer. And he's like mm. beaming. Uh, that she wants to be a writer, so she gets to have those notes. Um, then I guess, like, uh, I guess this is for time. They don't really show it, but they, I guess they fall asleep because now mm. it's, like, the next morning. Maybe they're talking all night. We don't really know. But now it's, like, the morning. And this is obviously, like, an indoor set, but the way they did the lighting, man, they did a good job making it seem like sunlight. Like, oh, yeah. It was beautiful. I was very surprised. Yeah, it's, mm. it's a gorgeous set. Excuse me. So the next morning... Jake, uh, Melanie's already left. Like, like, and at this point, Jake makes Melanie promise to enjoy life, and he actually repeats. This kind of goes back to your point about looking up every mm. once in a while in life, because he repeats what his dad told him on the Define. He says, right. "Just promise me that as you're like writing and reading my stuff and learning, that every once in a while you'll look up to see what's around you." And he quotes his dad almost verbatim. He says, "Look around you; it's life that's happening." Yeah, yeah. and it's a good lesson for everybody. For sure. So now it's the next. Put down the phone, kids. Get <laughs> off your TikTok. Continue to watch uh, Obscurity you now. You can put us on speaker, bro. Yeah. <laughs> you don't got to look at your phone. Yeah, you can listen to us while you live life, is yeah, what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah. All right, continue. All right, so that's the next morning. Uh, Melanie's left. Jake opens his eyes. And who does he see sitting next to him? His dad. Uh, and at this point, Jake, had, before he well, fell asleep, he grabbed like uh, a copy of his latest writing. But Jake knew the whole time, it's mentioned earlier, that his dad was coming. In fact, I believe he tells Melanie that mm -hmm. uh, he's coming. And Melanie knows at this point that Jake is dying uh, for real and that this is his last uh, night. Uh, but she leaves. She honors his, his wishes. So uh, Benjamin Sisko, the dad, <laughs> tells Jake how happy he is that he's still living in the house right, same house he's still happy again. Um, yeah. Jake at this point is like very has difficulty in talking but he says to read the inscription the dedication in the book uh, and, Jay, and Benjamin Sisko is very happy he got back to writing if I didn't mention that and the inscription says to my father who's coming home so Ben is touched but he doesn't really understand the inscription and Jake says that he figured out that um, Jake is the link that kept pulling his dad back into normal space. It was like a rubber band, basically. It would mm -hmm. stretch out, and then it would like snap back, and that's when his dad would come back, but then it would start stretching out again. And that he was the anchor for his dad. He f says that sometimes the band would be pulled taut, and during those times before the tension was released, his dad would temporarily rejoin the timeline before being pulled away and snapped back. And he talks, this is something he told Melanie also, that he had figured all this out, 
but he and that he realized that once Jake dies, he says he's gonna cut the cord. Right. Like basically, if he cuts the cord while his dad is here and he's the anchor, that Benjamin he thinks Benjamin Cisco will return back to the moment of the accident. Very convenient. Mm. Yes. <laughs> yes. But you gotta have these conveniences. Right. But, uh, so basically, long story short, um, he says that if he doesn't do it now. Uh, you know, the next time that they're going to be together or would be together, Jake Sisko might be dead. It might be so right. long. He's, if he's going to do it, he's going to do it now. And so Jake Sisko has been like basically killing himself, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of weird. That he's been like slowly poisoning himself, I guess. Or is, is the idea that he took two injections? Is that what was going on? Yeah, because he takes like <laughs> that thing mm. in the beginning of the episode. Maybe he was taking spider extract. <laughs> <laughs> spider sperm. So... uh Anyways, uh, he tells all this stuff to to his dad, um, and uh, sorry, uh, Ben, uh, the dad, is <laughs> he's horrified. He's horrified, yeah, yeah. And he pleads to his son not to do it, and that he shouldn't sacrifice himself for him. But Jake explained that he had to, and that by doing this, he's saving two lives: yep, the lives did. of Ben Cisco, the dad, and Jake, uh, and the boy that Jake was, and the boy that needs his father. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also shows Ben that it's too late. He's already done. He points to like the injection thing, um, and Ben is devastated. They like he like holds him. They're crying, and then suddenly, and I like that they didn't do like some big flash or anything. It's just like hard cut. Yeah. I, well, I wanted to see you know the lightning and the warp, and then Ziggy and the Ziggy Ziggy the, the comic strip. No, no, from Quantum Leap. Oh, <laughs> I think even Ziggy the comic strip. No, no, that, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> so, anyways, we do like basically a hard cut, mm. and Benjamin Cisco Commander. Oh, Cisco, he also tells him to make sure he dodges the, uh, yeah, the energy blast. That's or whatever right. It is. Jake Cisco yeah. tells Ben, just remember when you're back to dodge the uh, blast from the warp. Core. Which, luckily, I mean, one would think. That if you reset everything, you won't remember anything from the past. But yeah, we're gonna go with it. Well, the, but the whole thing is like the time. Time hasn't been reset. I, I, I think that's a mistake you're making. Ben Cisco has lived all of this. He just hasn't aged. So for right. Benjamin Cisco, it's been like I don't know, like ten minutes. Right. Basically. I understand that. Yeah. So it's just it's not like yeah, it's resetting the timeline for everybody, but not for Ben Cisco. Right. He ben just... always lived everything. Right. Right. Come on, keep up. <laughs> <laughs> Forgiveness, please. This, this is one of the least complicated time travel stories in Star Trek. Uh, so yeah, there's really no. I mean, I guess there's a little bit of time travel, but not really. So Ben finds himself back on the Defiant and the Engine Rooms moments before, or, uh, or right after he had put in the tool that saved the ship. This time he jumps and he dodges the energy discharge. He also like tackles Jake in the process to like make sure it doesn't hit Jake. And Jake is like, "How did you know to get out of the way?" And Ben says that I guess he was lucky this time. But then he, like, grabs Jake and, like, hugs the shit out of him. Uh, <laughs> knowing that, uh, and he says something like, oh, now we have a, a second chance. Right, right. And then they, the, 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 it does end a little abruptly. It, like, cuts to, like, the shot of, uh, was it the Defiant or the space station? It cuts to a space shot. Yeah. Roll credits. Yeah. Well, I mean, they packed it full of story. Yeah, you know? yeah. So yeah, well, uh, anything you'd like to add to that synopsis, or any thoughts on the final act? I mean, it. I mean, just like I thought, it, you know, they they reset everything, yeah. but it doesn't. It's it doesn't feel cheap or anything. Like the emotional journey right. that they send you on, and like the lessons that there are to be learned, and just a forty-five minute episode is just like. Uh, Priceless. Yeah, it's a, it's a great episode of television, not just yeah. Star Trek. Yeah, I mean, it's a great writing. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of already sort of talking about I, my I think, reviews. Well, so we both talked about, like... Why don't we go ahead and give our... Uh, yeah. Let me run the bumper, and then we'll we'll do this thing. All right, so we're, we're going to mix it up a little bit. All right, so obviously, you know... No one wants to toss Deep Space Nine into the void. So yeah, it's more about this episode. Right, right. So, do you think that uh, episode no season four, episode two of Star Trek Deep Space Nine, The Visitor, uh, is the perfect Trek episode to watch with your dad? <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
Uh, this is actually an episode I've used to introduce people into Star Trek mm-hmm. in general. Uh, or I've also used it to introduce people that have watched TNG and don't want to give DS9 a chance because it's, oh, it's not a space station. It's not like Star Trek. Because I think this is a Star Trek episode that like people don't know Star Trek can do this, that they can tell these right. kind of stories. Right. They think of Star Trek like being like a Star Wars ripoff or Star Wars like. Or just, you know, original Trek. Yeah. Of, you know, William Shatner doing his thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. And Star Trek is definitely, especially 90s and 2000s Trek, it's definitely like its own, it's a morality play right. more than anything, more than sci-fi. So, yeah, uh, yeah I think I think it's perfect to show anybody, I guess, unless they recently lost their f- dad or son. <laughs> that would be devastating. <laughs> yeah, you don't. Because there's no uh, subspace, like, uh, you know, wormhole to get them back. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to show least... this to somebody who's lost their dad or son. Right, right. Maybe a few years later, mm-hmm. they want to remember what how much they missed them. Right. Well, my dad was never into sci-fi. I mean, I could probably get him to sit through it. Uh, I don't know what he would think about it. This episode? But, um, yeah, but I mean... I think it's great. Um, I mean, it's. Uh, I mean, do you, would your dad watch it? Um, I mean, he wouldn't now because of the dementia. Oh, but <laughs> well, I didn't know about that. Jesus. But uh, <laughs> it's fine. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think I probably could have gotten it. I, I, I mean, if I would have asked him to watch an episode of Star Trek with me, he would have watched an episode of Star Trek with mm-hmm. me. Do I think he would have enjoyed this? Uh, I think so, especially if there were Spanish subtitles. Because, uh, you know, there, there, there's not like a lot of techno babble kind of stuff in this. Right. There's a little bit, but it's it's explained like in a very like layman's yeah. kind of t- way. And, and it's not important to the story, really. No, no, so, no. So, yeah, I think he would have liked this. But, uh, but yeah, overall, a great episode. I mean, I would say if you're family is like used to like science fiction and for some reason you haven't watched this episode with your dad you should probably give it a shot because it's pretty amazing especially I mean, if you have a good relationship with your dad yeah. what if it's a mediocre one if it's a bad one nah, i don't know if you <laughs> maybe you can win him over with it. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like hey or dad maybe, or maybe you're the problem and <laughs> he needs to win maybe your dad needs to show this to you there but, you go all right yeah, remembered obviously remembered all right here we go in accordance to Obscure to Now, the most important streaming YouTube podcast in all of the internet, you shall be remembered. Yes. Good show. Good, good show. But uh, I think you mentioned earlier it doesn't feel cheap. And I think the reason why it doesn't feel cheap, or one of the reasons is that, uh, you know, Captain Sisko still carries on it's not a total reset he Mm. still has the emotional weight of everything that happened and he knows what his son would be willing to do for him right right and you know cisco already kind of treats his son not that he doesn't treat him like a a teenager he's supposed to be 17 here Mm. um but he's always treated his son with a lot of respect and treated him as about as much as as an adult as you want to treat a 17 year old but after this especially once he turns 18 and jake cisco becomes a writer later a journalist on some dangerous assignments and stuff like ben's like respect and ability to like let his son be his own man increases so it it does like have a little bit of carry through throughout the series and i really like that it's not a total reset and even though like jake cisco doesn't know of any of this stuff that happened because in essence it never really did happen like he's still the same Jake Cisco right. that would do all those things sure. and would kill exactly. himself for, to his, say, dad. for his dad. Yeah. So it you doesn't know, change the core. You know what it reminds me of uh, when we watch the Hercules Legendary Journeys uh, pilot? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> sure. Come on, I think it's, this, I think this might same, be a little more powerful. It's well, yeah, but it's the <laughs> same Deus Ex Machina, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. But in a good, I mean, and they're both, uh, yeah. I mean, Hercules is a little more fun than this episode, but yeah. they were both. Uh, I mean, this is like Academy Award winning stuff, where Hercules is a little or uh, Emmy not Academy Emmy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Everybody puts in a phenomenal performance especially tony todd mm-hmm. uh avery brooks is the cap uh the adult uh the dad dad's daddy cisco if you will 
Space Daddy. Yeah, yeah and yeah. Uh, and Sorak Lofton as Jake Sisko. Uh, they they're the three ones that are featured the the most, and they absolutely kill it. But everybody, even the supporting cast. Uh, sure. But, D- but DS Nine is like a, a show like uh, littered with great actors. So. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, that's our show, everyone. Uh, let us know what you think about uh, Season 4, Episode 2, uh, The Visitor of Star Trek at Deep Space Nine uh, in the comments. Yeah. And uh, I should add, sorry, one last thing. Okay. For those worried that this might have spoilers, because like I mentioned there's a big story arc, if you're like on the fence about watching DS9 and you haven't, the only spoilers you're going to get from this, which aren't that major, is you are going to get two spoilers. We've already talked about them. Worf. Uh, at this point, this is uh, the second episode that Worf is in, technically the third. So Worf, spoiler alert, joins the cast of DS9 in season four. Um, and Nog does get into uh, Starfleet Academy. Those are kind of like the only spoilers you really get. But everything else is pretty self-contained. Any other episode from season four of Deep Space Nine will give you like major spoilers for do everything you, else. Do you think there's people out there right now who are just like, you know... I want to get me into some 90s Trek. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm on, like, the Star Trek subreddit every day, and, like, DS9 is, like, there's literally posts made almost every day of some, about somebody who's, like, either, oh, I never gave DS9 a shot, but all you people, like, they, a lot of people only watch oh, Voyager whoa, 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 whoa. and TNG. You people? Yeah. But you people here <laughs> told whatever, and, like, I really like it. And there's almost every week, like, multiple posts that are just titled something to this extent. Just watch The Visitor for the first time. Uh, dot, dot, dot. And then people go on about, the OP will go on about, I cried, I couldn't believe how emotional this was, yada, yada. Are you going to post this episode in that subreddit? They, they don't allow posting of oh, self-promotion. <laughs> All right, that's the it. The mods there are like Nazis. <laughs> They're like Cardassians. Uh, what a bunch of Cardassians. All right, well... Uh, Thank you very much for watching slash listening to this episode. And we will see you uh, next Sunday as we continue to discuss more obscure media only on Obscurity Now. See you next time. You've been enjoying Obscurity Now, a podcast that's recorded live to tape and streamed to Twitch and YouTube. Subscribe so you never miss an episode or hilarious quip. Take us with you by following the download links provided in the show notes to wherever you get podcasts. And take notice of our various social media links. If that's what you're into, I'm not here to judge. And make sure you join us live next week at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific as we continue to discuss more obscure media only on Obscure Now.